0: What's up, cold-weather bats people? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about Great Lakes Bat Company. Find them online at greatlakesbatco.com. They sponsor the show. I got a glowing review about Great Lakes the other day. I got a call from Evan Petrovicius, my buddy, head coach at Riverview High School. He calls me up. He says, Brandon, it took me 20 minutes. I ordered five custom fungos within days they were shipped, and I think by tomorrow they'll already be there. Be like Evan. Order your staff some custom fungos and get them within days from greatlakesbatco.com. Welcome to episode 15 of Cold Weather Bats. The show goes on. This is Brandon Justice, one of your two hosts of Cold Weather Bats. Joined by me, as always, is Brian Sikowski. Folks, spring is in the air. Tryouts are over. Some schools have already played. Some teams have uh, debuted their, their new teams for the first time in nearly two years. Have taken the diamond in a high school uniform. But for all of us, the season is embarking. It is that time we have uh, reflected, we have predicted, we have projected for months, but it is finally here. Uh, We have started the season, albeit with a pushback and a couple funky rules that we're not quite used to yet, but sure enough, we are adapting to. Brian, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I mean, it's baseball
1: season. We're here officially. You know, like it's really never not baseball season. If you if you look at it from the perspective of like perfect game, <laughs> um, but from this perspective, the podcast perspective, man, we're in it. Tryouts are over, like you said. The clubs are built. We're ready to roll. Some some teams already started. Um, some teams will start this week, more or less. We're we're rolling, man. I'm excited about it. It's been it's been fun so far, and it should be a fun spring.
0: Yeah, I mean. I can echo that sentiment for both of us baseball hasn't really particularly stopped. It's just not been outside uh, mm-hmm. well, for you it's for you from the perfect game perspective it's been outside especially when you're in California and Texas and wherever else you're going to go here there tomorrow. Uh, but from my perspective, I've been inside Lakeside, which hey, I love it there, but uh, it's starting to feel like it's starting to feel like okay, this is why I do what I do right uh, you're kind of getting to that you kind of get to that point in winter when it's like end of February, early March where you're like, all right, uh, indoor baseball starting to, starting to clock me out a little bit here. Uh, and then you take the diamond for the first few days and you're like, yeah, yeah, this, this, this is, this is it. This, (laughs) this is what we were, this is what we're meant to do. Um, and you know, I was talking to coach Greasebaum about this and at, at South and I was essentially like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm not in it for the money and I'm, you know, I, while I am full-time in baseball, like I don't do what I do for the for the paycheck that I get, I do it because I really enjoy doing it. But this right here, the coaching baseball, like team baseball, team oriented baseball, family oriented environments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, this is why you do it. This is what got you into it. This is what gives you that like organic passion that you have for um, you know, serving the kids and all that and why you do what you do. So uh, it's just it was a great week last week 5 days of tryouts which was my first time handling 5 days of tryouts and say what you will about it but we definitely got our evaluations in I can say that much and uh Saturday morning we had our meetings and um you know unfortunately had to make some some cuts like everybody else has to do obviously it's the it's the worst part of the of the process but um you know did that and it's Monday morning and we're rolling into our first team practice and it just yeah, I don't know, man. Just a sense of relief to like to, for it to finally be here, you know. And obviously for you guys, which we'll get into uh, at Orchard Lake, you guys had your first game. I know you weren't there, but talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we uh, the CHSL did not push back, whereas like the rest of the state did for a week. So um, I think like as normally scheduled, we might have played someone else first and then started with CC on the same day that we did. In reality, uh, but given the the weak pushback, we just rolled right into it. Um, went well for the eaglets. I was not there. I had to. I was up at Michigan State. I had to, um, you know, be a scout, which is which is what I do. Um, so you know, I had to miss. I had to miss it, but saw some good stuff at MSU. But aside from that, um, seems like the the boys had fun. Um, we won both games. It was five to nothing and sixteen to nothing, I believe. Um, the first game, again, I wasn't there. I I was told that we uh, might have been a little too big in our swings, Um, just a little excited trying to hit 17 bombs. Um, That didn't work out so well, but we kind of relaxed and then came back into our offensive approach and didn't get too big and then scored a bunch of runs, and the pitching was outstanding. Um, You know, like Porter hit 98, and – Scattered the fastball a little bit, but still was pretty dominant. Um, John Essig was incredible in the second game. I threw like five and two-thirds shutout innings on 48 pitches or something ridiculous like that. Like super efficient. The bullpen was great. Skrupski was great in game one. Um, Cahee and Oliver closed it out in game two. You know, it was just... Team wins that we, we got a lot of guys uh, some at bats that didn't start either game you know just uh, it was a positive weekend for the eaglets for sure and we're uh, by the time you're listening to this it will be game day for the eaglets again when we play U of D uh, in a doubleheader on
0: Tuesday. Speaking of which, U of D they played this weekend as well. Um, and here, and on that topic, while while we're here especially early in the show, if you're a coach and you're listening, I know we've talked about the super 25 and please keep that in mind as well, but, uh, please submit your scores to us after your games, if possible. I know that might be tough if like, maybe it's a couple of losses or whatever, but, uh, anything to help us out with being able to talk about your team, whether it's, um, in a winning or losing effort, it would be, I think a positive, uh, development for the future of this show because the more information that we get the better and it's it's not quite easy to find scores and like there's not a universal scoreboard for Michigan uh, high school baseball. We would love to be that. Um, but we, we, we do need some help in that regard, especially from our smaller schools or uh, the schools who might not have like a huge social media presence or, or whatever it may be. So if you are a coach and you know other coaches in your league and, and you want to kind of take the forefront and spreading the message that we would like to kind of serve as that um, scoreboard, that universal scoreboard for everyone to kind of refer to that would be Uh, Greatly appreciated. Now, back to U of D. They had a pretty strong showing in their first weekend, sweeping De La Salle. Uh, in a couple games. And Salle, obviously, a team that always is going to have some talent one way or another. Uh, this year, maybe not so much as others, but all the same, U of D, a team who is always kind of on the cusp of being pretty good, but hasn't really made that leap. Pretty impressive showing in the first weekend, obviously, Avery Mona, Owen Carpillotti, two guys there that are really good. Mona, the uh, hard-throwing right-hander, committed to Central Michigan. Carpillotti, the left-handed stick catcher, committed to Georgetown. Uh, and, and they might flash some they might flash some things this year uh, didn't make the super 25 but uh, all the same could be a team that cracks that in the next couple weeks here yeah no
1: doubt and they were kind of on the watch list you know like it, it was a team that we you know was was one of the last handful really I don't think that, that we put on um, but interesting like interesting little cross section of the Catholic League there every opening series was a sweep uh, which is unique but um, brother rice swept dc we just talked about st mary sweeping cc and then obviously u of d swept de la salle uh but that's just kind of an interesting little okay all right so six wins you know you know what i mean like there was no splits like you usually see a lot of splits in in the catholic league especially in the upper division so that was interesting to see i don't know if it means anything yet we'll find out um but yeah definitely an, an interesting little tidbit to start the week off
0: and then, uh, apart from that, on my side of the on my side of town, in the non Catholic league side of things, uh, we Gross Point South. When I refer to we uh, Gross Point South, we have a game Saturday against Detroit Edison double header. Uh, that'll be a great game. Uh, a couple D one commits uh, at, at Edison, and Greg Pace committed to Michigan, and then I believe it's uh, Sanders committed to Dayton. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, fact-checking myself there. Well done, sir. So, Caleb Sanders committed to Dayton, uh, Pace at Michigan. So, that'll be a very good game. A lot of talent on the field there. Looking forward to that one. Um, I mean, shoot, we haven't coached a game since – haven't coached in a game since July. Haven't coached in a high school game since forever. Uh, June 2019, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. that'll be fun. Very much. So looking forward to that. Uh, so the season is here. Uh, the preseason super 25 is out and we will most definitely get a full list of that posted on our social channels. It's just been quite the week. So I have not gotten to that. And the, Behind the scenes of graphics at Cold Weather Bats is quite literally me on a MacBook Pro from 2015 trying to use Canva uh, to magically make us look like we have a very nice social footprint. And uh, it is not the easiest thing sometimes, but sometimes it can be. So uh, trying to make that look nice and fancy, you might just get an Excel sheet. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you definitely deserve a nice design. I'm just not sure I'm the guy that's capable of it. So, anybody who uh, might be interested in outsourcing, let us know. We will pay you to make our graphics. Not a lot, because yeah. we're a free podcast, so not a lot.
1: Still a fledgling, still a fledgling uh, professional enterprise here at Cold Weather Bats, but we are willing to pay for graphics. So yes, hit us up on Twitter, man. Like DM us if you're good at that. Yeah, not a lot, but like <laughs> buy a hat, you know. buy a hat, and we'll buy, pay you a lot. Buy a
0: hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, either way. <laughs> so. Apart from that, that's about it for the first week of the season. I mean, everybody had tryouts during the weekdays. The weekend had a few, like you said, a few Catholic League games. Um, but this is kind of the first week where things will where I can't talk, where things will begin get to, ro- to get rolling. Uh, but with spring break, it hardly so. You know, like it's still kind yep. of like a, it's still not a universal everyone's playing week. I think next week will kind of be that first week, maybe Saturday, um, but probably next week um, just because of the awkward timing of the season and the pushback and all of that. So um, next week we will release our next super 25. So not this upcoming Friday, but or upcoming Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, two weeks from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and that's just best practice, you know, like how much will our preseason top 25 change uh, right now? Like there's a team that probably move a little bit. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're not going to make a whole lot of changes after, You know, four teams played or six teams played, so uh, we will save that for, like Brian said, two weeks from now. And who knows, man? Ton of games in between there. I mean, shoot, North plays Rice, uh, and I believe North plays North plays Liggett. So just right there, those are two top five affairs right there in and of itself so and you get a real measure of what north is going to be north a team that we were pretty bullish on um based on our super 25 uh obviously the same can be said about Liggett and rice as well so a, a nice little uh measure of teams immediately right off the jump there uh with north playing Liggett in the opener and then following that one up with a trip to rice so that'll be um that'll be a challenging start for north but as we've we, as we've talked about, they certainly have the arms to withstand those two games. So as uh before
1: we I mean, just looking at I just pulled up our schedule here, like before we do another Super 25, we will play Portage Northern twice, Rice once, Woodhaven once, and Lickett once in like non-league stuff. Like that's our spring break week. Um Matt, very uh Like Matt wants to play good teams every time we take the field, obviously. So like that's how he schedules it, and that's going to be a hell of a week. Um, But yeah, man, like just just the micro example of like me looking at our game changer schedule. Like before, you know, so
0: much stuff is going to happen before we put out the next Super Twenty (laughs) Five. Yeah, we start with so the the early goings of our schedule is not as grueling as the ending. I will tell you that we end the year playing um, Portage Northern. Mount Pleasant, Rochester, Adams, Brother Rice, Liggett, Western, and Orchard Lake. That is that is our final mm. hoorah. And not to mention, we played Dakota in a in a three game the week prior. So, um, oh baby, a Monday, Wednesday, a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, MacRed Classic. Uh, but we opened the Love season, with, yeah, right. We opened the season with Addison, De La Salle, uh, Southfield, and who's always pretty decent. Lance Cruz, Country Day, Stony Creek. So. By the time we get to, so the same time frame you're talking about, um, so April, that would be April 13th. So by April 13th, we will have played Country Day, Lance Cruz, De La Salle, Edison, and a and So not quite as daunting, but still very much so. Uh, we're going to find out about our clubs. We're going to find out yeah. about the Blue Devils right. and the Eaglets. That is, mm-hmm. that is most certainly certain. Um, but moving on from that, I have picked up a new hobby. Or please go on. Or possibly a business. Investors, possibly you. (laughs) Stepbrothers reference for everyone at home that hasn't seen stepbrothers. For all the kids listening, probably want to wait until you're eighteen on that one. Uh so I have dipped into the sports cards side of things again. Uh I got very interested in it because um my roommate and I have kind of grown up together and so we're good friends and uh he kind of knew a pretty good amount about it, and we had gone to the gym one day. This is a very good story. I'm just thinking about how funny this is now. Like in the moment, uh, we stopped at CVS, CVS Pharmacy, 24 hour Pharmacy, and this is on the one in the one in Gross Point, by the way. And we went inside, and there there it was, in, in a small 10 card pack of Panini Absolute football cards. And it was 10 bucks for the pack. And, uh, my roommates just go, my roommate just goes ahead and buys them. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, opens them in the car and there's actually some like pretty good cards, like, f- like six hologram rookie cards that are going for like five or six bucks. Nothing crazy, but I mean, he paid 10 bucks for the pack. He opened like six of them that are worth five or six. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, let's just go to Walmart. He's like, why? I'm like, I think Walmart has like a whole card section. Like what if we can find, uh, that 2021 ones for baseball? And, uh, so we go check and, you know, apparently these things are really hard to find, um, because they're reselling for like double online on like stock X and all of that. So, uh, we go into Walmart and sure enough, there's two huge boxes for like 50 bucks. And then there's like six or 10, like six to 10 of the blaster boxes, which is like the smaller versions. And all of these things are selling, all these boxes are selling online, like sealed for, you know, like 25% uptick. Um, the bigger ones were selling for kind of like a times and a half what they're worth, and we were like, all right, we're just, just going to sell all these boxes. But you're looking at a box of cards. It's been probably, let's see, I'm t- going on 25. It's probably been a good 19 to 18 years since I've like had the thrill of opening sports cards or cards at mm-hmm. all. If anybody is uh, was born in the 90s, you know Garbage Pail Kids and all those things that we used to. They used to open back in the day that might not not have been sports cards, but still had like a similar thrill. And uh, so we're like, all right, hey, we'll just open one box. We'll just open one box, whatever. And then we opened another box. And then we opened another box. And by the the end, we had opened all of our boxes. And we were like, you know what? That was fun. So that investment was fun. Uh, We had no idea what any of these cards were worth after we opened them. So then we started to look them up. And we did not open like a... um, Mike Trout autographed one of one worth of thousands. Uh, none of that happened. There was no like cards that was like this huge um, break for us by any means, but we did have some decent hits. Like we've got some like how the Mises and we've got some Alec Bones. And for those at home, that's just a rookie. And you know, we got some, we got some Joe Adeles. So there's some good cards in there, right? Some pretty decent cards. Mm-hmm. Um, well, come to find out when you're buying these retail boxes, that that's like, if you're collecting, like if you want to like hang out, have cards and be like, these are my cards. But if you're trying to like flip the cards and there's some like profitability in them, you got to buy these like crazy ones that are from different years that have just been held onto and sealed for however many years. People who bought like the 2018 rookie class cards that were, that was a box that was probably when it released like 125 bucks or 150 bucks or whatever. It's now worth like 400 or 450. So people will hold on to these boxes. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just wasn't in the interest of holding on to a box for a few years. I wanted to rip them open and see if we got like one big hit. Uh, we didn't, uh, on those, but we, we ended up going to, or I ended up going to a card shop in St. Clair shores, shout out fat cats, K A T Z and, uh, bought these Bowman Chrome hobby boxes and they were a hundred bucks a piece and bought those, opened them up, kind of got joked. That's okay. It's part of the game. Um, but got some autographs in there and it's just been, I don't know, man, it's just been really cool to get back into, uh, something from your past or your childhood. Now, that being said, it's kind of a pretty decent opportunity to make some pretty good grub, uh, some side hustle money, uh, in this game of, of sports cards. So we are, um, We are starting to get a little bit more serious and looking at some, some bigger purchases and then starting to sell them on eBay and all of that. And, you know, just seeing what we can do there. And so that's, that's something new that I got into that Brian and I talked about pre-show that might be interesting to discuss. Um, But it's been, it's been, it's been one week and uh, so far I feel like an investor, Um, (laughs) even though it's. It's not really been to that level by any means but it just gives you this like thrill like kids nowadays play ultimate team on like Madden and the show and all that and like that's their version of like cards but to actually be back in like the physical realm of things it's it's pretty cool man I don't know I've just, I've had a lot of fun with it it's it's certainly like juvenile in and of itself but the opportunity for profit is is very realistic
1: my uh my old roommate who one of my best friends. We've been close since high school. Um, Over quarantine, like right when COVID hit and he and I were just kind of like, okay, so we can just stare at each other for three months. Um, He got into doing like the breaks, you know, like this kind of thing where I don't know the exact particulars of it, but like he would do like Facebook lives with this group of people where like You'd buy, you know, you buy like a $10 spot in the break and like you pick, you know, you pay 10 bucks and there's 16 spots or whatever. And, um, you pick two teams or something like you pick Lions and Cowboys. And like the item is like a boxed, um, like mini helmet or like autographed mini helmet. I'm just using one example. And, but no one knows who it is. You know, it's just like, okay, this is, this is coming from where they bought it from. It's guaranteed to be an autographed mini helmet of whatever. And you pay like 50 bucks for it or whatever. And then you, you do these breaks. where like, all right, if 16 people buy 10 spots and they each pick two teams, then you open the thing on Facebook live. And it's like, Oh look, it's a blank guy. I've never heard of from the dolphins. Okay. Who had the dolphins? Oh, all right. This is yours. I'll ship it to you. And like, you know, so, so there's like, it's like gambling for, for like, you know, the, the people buying spots. And then it's like, you know, also gambling for the people buying the breaks. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. It was just a, a kind of a, um, a passion project that ended up being a really nice, like, time killer when we all needed to kill time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, man. Like, he got some good stuff. Like, he got, like, uh, um, like an Alan Trammell, like autographed Jersey, you know, like stuff like that. Like just cool stuff that, you know, he ended up selling most of it, but like our old house, um, the basement now is just decked out. You know, it's like, there's a, like a Michael Vick autographed card and like a Marshawn Lynch autographed, like full size Seahawks helmet, like some cool stuff, man. Um, he's not really a baseball guy. So he's more of a football guy, but, um, if, if you're, I don't know if what, you talked about now what i'm talking about are the same thing but like yeah more, seems I mean, more to or, or less the more same less. realm yeah but yeah it's definitely like a cool thing man like i jumped into a bunch of those groups on facebook because like if you know like we'd buy spots and then if we won the thing then we would just resell it or whatever and like it ended up being relatively profitable um in the in the, the small coin game you know what i mean um but still man it was pretty fun
0: that's the one thing I will say about it is that it's just like it's kind of fun I don't really know how to describe it you just get like this opening up a pack you're like okay what's gonna be here now uh in my one week career I have not had the feeling of triumph in opening something that a I immediately know is profitable and B is actually profitable I have had the mm-hmm. I will tell you a story and it is heartbreaking and it is quick and heartbreaking the entire time for this the whole five seconds. You're going to hear the story. I opened a pack. It was a Derek Jeter one of one auto and I'm freaking out oh. um, because I didn't know anything about like how cards work. I just thought cards were what they were. turns out they do a lot of reprints and like redos and you know, it's just a, like our screen printed redone version of a card that had previously released. And, um, that's what this card was. And so because of that, um, a redo is worth about anywhere from $0.50 cents to about $1.50, whereas the if it were the original version of that card, it could be worth... I don't know, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars because it's a one of one Jeter auto, and that's probably hardly even an, an existing um, thing in real life. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but that was like the second pack I opened the day I bought those cards from Walmart. So I'm sitting here thinking Walmart had a Jeter one of one auto, and I, Brandon Justice, Cold Weather Bats co-host gross point south assistant coach arsenal baseball head coach it was the one to open it uh turns out that was not the case and Mm -hmm. it was worth 80 cents and everybody who bought that box got a copy of it so there are millions of them and that was that was tough now um I am a person who believes that, you know, our struggles really teach us things. And so I'm just going to learn from that experience and really hope for the next Jeter auto I pull to be a real one. So we'll see.
1: Mm That would be nice. I mean, nothing wrong
0: with a couple hundred grand just pulling it out of a box. And that's what we continue to hold on to in this house um, <laughs> because this is essentially the headquarters for our small business that is yet to be named. I was thinking cold weather cards, but. You'd have to pay me royalties for that, though. Yeah, yeah. And then I was thinking Great Lakes cards, but then I'd have to pay the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to pay the sponsor. You want to see it, right? So. Uh, yeah, you want the sponsor to pay you, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So we've been seeking some originality. Here uh, and it's been hard to find. I've been pulling from the influences around me, um, and it seems to be too much of a copycat, copycat lifestyle here. So, um, trying to figure that out. But the headquarters here at the house—it's very interesting. There is a stack of cards in an Amazon box right now. Um, how much they would sell for, I'm not sure. We really haven't gotten that far. I'll tell you what though, we haven't pulled one that's going to like change our lives yet. So, um, but that'll happen. You know, we're, it's not false hope. It's just resilience is what I call it. Resilience. And, uh, soon enough, we, soon enough, we will open a pack with, with exactly what we need. So, on the other hand, anyone out there who has this hobby and is involved in it—or not a hobby, could be a lifestyle—for people who pull my uh, Derek Jeter or Mike Trout autos, you know, somebody out there could have life-changing money from it. But anyone out there who who is in the in this business or uh, at least is interested or participates in some form or fashion, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, send us a DM, whether it's on the shows. Twitter or my Twitter. Happy to talk about it. Would love to learn more about it because I am ignorant still to a lot of the things going on with it, uh, though I'm still continuing to try to educate myself on it. Um, So I'd love to talk. Or if anyone out there has any interest in a one-of-one fake Derek Jeter auto for more than 80 (laughs) cents, let me know. Uh, Apart from that, we've got Joe Adele rookie cards. We've got uh, Al Bohm. We've got a Casey Mize hologram. Uh, autograph card. It's not real, though. It's also a redo. But uh, yeah, we've got some things. We've got some things for sure. Maybe we'll do like a. Hey Brian, you never know. We could do like a giveaway here or something. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that uh, I got excited about, and I think, hey, it's it, it's relevant to this show. So so why not discuss it?
1: I can uh, I can get you a good price on an Alex Mooney card. So if you're interested, yeah.
0: Well, we will um. t- we'll <laughs> take this part of the show. <laughs> Because we have just to give you guys like a behind the scenes look before the show, we're like, all right, what are what are we going to what are we going to discuss? What are we going to dissect today? There's no draft. There's there's no poll. There's no preseason talk. Like the season started, but the season kind of half started, so there's really no not a lot of games to talk about. There's not a lot of like poll talk. There's not a lot of teams that play in general. So like, what what's going to happen here? Obviously, we have never- and as
1: much as we'd like, as much as we'd like to talk to Spencer Schwellenbach for an hour we're not going to talk to Spencer Schwellenbach for an hour. Yeah, that's so, just,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's just not going to happen. So, uh, we've made some adjustments and uh, found a way to talk about sports cards for 15 minutes and now we will discuss some team building things. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian, I will let you take the lead on this subject.
1: Yeah, so as I said I was at MSU over the weekend and um, it's not a it's not a super uncommon question to hear like, you know, scouts spend a lot of their time just Kind of shooting the shit behind home plate of various stadiums, um, but question was brought up like, okay, you're building a team. Where do you start? Whether that's are we talking high school? Are we talking college? Are we talking an MLB club? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. When you're building a team and you start from scratch, like an expansion team or whatever, and you, you know, you are, are, what is the position of focus you start with? Like, what's your first overall pick in like this imaginary draft? Like, what is it? Is it, you know, some guys said shortstop. I think one guy said catcher. Another guy said like a no doubt ace. And like, it's an interesting question that I think, you know, we could talk about briefly just. And, and we don't even have to t- make it specific to Michigan or, or you know even use names or anything like that. But like, what is your philosophy on team building? Like, Where do you start? Um, me personally, I'm a big middle-of-the-field guy. I, I think that that's not exactly an uncommon thought. Um, but I believe in building through the middle, and that is catcher, shortstop, center field. If you really want to look at it that way, if you want to expand on that, you include second base too. Uh, but the three premium positions, as they're known, um, and this is a, something you'll find in scouting a lot is like, well, a, a dude who can play a premium position has more value. And, and the premium positions are, like I said, catch a shortstop in center field. And so that's where I'm building, man. I, I think I'd probably start with a shortstop, like give me the dude who can no doubt impact the game defensively and take away runs and hits in the middle of the field. And then I'd probably go behind the plate and then probably out the center. Um, I'm kind of looking at pitching as like a separate thing you know like you build your lineup and you build your pitching staff but like you it's not necessarily at the same time and if i was like a gm of a major league team that'd be dumb obviously that that's not how it works um but as far in so far as as this discussion goes like yeah you obviously pitching's important um, but i think you you have to like place similar emphasis on the middle of the field as you do your starting rotation uh, just just my thoughts on it
0: yeah i mean i i would completely agree with you that the uh you got to take care of the the premium positions and you know me uh, I'm going to prioritize a catcher but I'm not going to prioritize a catcher definitively over a shortstop or a center fielder per se I think all three kind of get an equal um, look and if you're able to take care of all three of those things if you can have a good catcher a good shortstop and a good center fielder then you can begin to prioritize the offensive side of things for your other positions because defensively you really need those three to kind of take care of uh, the business, right? Whereas your third base, first base can be like, okay, I can put a power bat in my corners, Um, my second baseman can be, can be a glove guy. You know, I don't have to worry about arm strength there. I can get a glove guy at second base. Who's going to be a bat to ball guy at the plate. doesn't have to hit with terrific power or even gap to gap power. But you know, as long as he's a bat to ball guy who can, I can put it, you know, two, six, eight or nine, then that's fine. And then my corner outfield, I'm kind of thinking like, all right, is there, is there speed? Is there, um, or is there power at the plate? You're trying to take care of one of those two things from my opinion um, in in your corner outfield. And, you know, if you can, like I said, if you can take care of those three premium positions defensively, then you can kind of prioritize offense to round out the rest of your lineup and uh, defensive Mm -hmm. positioning. But uh, from a pitcher standpoint, I think it's really important to kind of have a guy right like everyone needs a guy if you can have two guys awesome if you can have three guys incredible um but in today's world i'm just trying to get one just one guy if i can have one guy i feel very lucky one guy i can rely on if it's uh, you know summer ball is different that's where i make that's the only setting where i make all the decisions from a coaching's perspective so uh from a management perspective and if i can have a quote unquote guy where it's like okay we're in pool play this guy has uh, or, I'm sorry, we're in bracket play. This might be a semifinal or a championship, whatever it is. But, you know, we threw him in pool play against the best team um, that we had to go up against in pool play or whatever. And now he's only got 22 pitches left. Uh, and it's the seventh inning and we're up two. You know, that guy might get called upon. It's kind of similar to when, mm-hmm. like, a game seven Verlander appearance or a game seven Chris sale appearance or whatever it may be. Um, that's where I think you start to be able to uh, use that guy in more scenarios than just, okay, he's always going to be my go-to starter in my biggest games. Now um, that's obviously where it is most applicable probably is that you're going to use him as your starter in your biggest settings. And uh, you need that a guy you can depend on to go out there and, Keep a team within five runs in today's game because I think if you can't score more than five runs consistently, like you're probably not going to be um, that great of a summer ball team. It's different when you're just talking about like pro college and all that, but is it? I don't know. I think more than five is kind of regular these days. So, um, but you do need a guy who can trust to go out there. Whether he is a, it's all. It's kind of funny to think about actually. Uh, Your your aces can have so many different variables. He can be a power. Velo guy who just hammers a fastball with a decent secondary that he, he at least has control of. Um, you're talking 16, you travel baseball. It's, you know, um, we're, we're not Kane's national, so it's not like we have six dudes throwing nines. Right. So, um, you're looking for a guy who can go out there. 15. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, or, you know, you might have a guy who can just flat out pitch. He can overlay. He can, he can, he can sequence, he can command, and uh, he's not going to like the world on fire velo-wise, but if he can put um, a fastball high and in, and then the, a, to, a, to a, a righty, let's say righty-righty, a, a fastball high and in, and that same pitch comes at you, but now it's going to fall off the table because it's a curveball high and in that drops low, and then apart from that, he can throw a two-seamer that's going to go high and in, but now it's going to cut to your hands, so... It's, there's a lot of different variables for pitching perspective from a defensive perspective and a position player perspective, it's pretty like simple. Like you you need a shortstop, a center fielder and a catcher who defensively will make your team a lot better. And then the rest of your team, you can fill out with offense. In my opinion, if they can play defense, that's an awesome accessory. But I think in today's game, like you really want to prioritize the offensive side of things. And if you can shore up your middle, um, you can trust the rest to kind of figure itself out. Obviously there's things you need to do from a coaching perspective to improve those things and develop those things. But that's kind of how I see it. I I don't know if you agree with me and how I kind of not, not belittling the defensive side of things for the rest of the positions, just, just kind of putting it plain. Like I'm prioritizing offense. Yeah. And we're talking like in a hypothetical world where
1: like, you can kind of get whoever the hell you want, you know, like this is, this is, this varies wildly from like school to school to level to level to whatever. Like, You know, like, we're not saying, oh, well, if you have a defensive guy at third who's kind of light with the bat, then, like, you know, you're trash. Like, no one's saying that. It's just, like, in this hypothetical world of, like, you know, we're just making shit up here. Like... You know, I, I, yeah, I I would take the shortstop who can really play defense and the center fielder who can really play defense and the catcher who can really play defense. And then I'd fill out the rest of my lineup with mashers and like, yeah, but like, okay, but that may, may not be the roster you have, you know? And like, that's again, so we're just, we're making shit up as we go, um. And just an interesting discussion as far as like, all right, well, what's your priorities? Like, Brandon as a, as a person, and Brandon just talked about we're kind of similar. Like, build through the middle, build offense, got to have arms, like, let's ride. And I, I don't know if there's anybody who would wildly vary from that perspective. I'm, sur- I'm sure we could find people who uh, would prioritize pitching more, maybe prioritize a center fielder over a catcher, like we said, or something like that. Um, but either way, like a good discussion to have and, and one that I always find fascinating when, when I'm sitting behind the plate and there's 10, 12 people just shooting back and forth about it. Um, but with that being said, uh, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping and then we're going to take uh, take us into the interview with uh, Nebraska shortstop and closer and Saginaw Heritage alum, Spencer Schwellenbach. Um, you can follow the show cross-platform at Cold Weather bets on Twitter and on Instagram. Please do so. Uh, please remember to rate and review the show uh, on iTunes, on Spotify. Please subscribe. Uh, all of those little things help us reach a bigger audience. Um, it's always helpful when you share our stuff on social media, You know, whether that's share an Instagram post to a story, retweet a tweet, whatever it is. All of it helps. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for doing that stuff. Uh, special shouts out to those who have bought a hat. Um Brandon, I'm told that those are shipping this week, is that right? Yes, Soon? I believe that's the yeah, okay. case. I will, I will, we, will okay. we
0: will tweet it out for sure and post on on the IG when they are uh when they're officially embarking on their journey to your homes. Um, but until if, then, look look for them to be out this week, yes. If you're interested in buying a hat, please
1: see our pinned tweet on Twitter or just go to Instagram and click the link in our bio. That is to the hats as well. Um, thank you for that. And kind of yeah, yeah. Like we said, we're gonna do, we're gonna wait a week. Like we said, we're gonna do the Super Twenty Five bi-weekly, But for the first week, we're gonna have three weeks in between because of spring break and some schools not starting. And we just want to get some more games uh, under the belt uh, before we really reshuffle it. We'll be doing that um, two weeks from today. You will hear the Super Twenty Five update. Um, but with that being said, Brandon, I, I don't have anything else. Um, I think we're going to jump right into the, the interview with Nebraska's uh, Spencer Schwellenbach. Enjoy. Woo! Welcome into the interview portion of episode 15, Cold Weather Bats. We're joined by a special guest, uh, a guy I've watched play for a shocking number of years now that I look at it. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, Nebraska shortstop and closer now, which we'll touch on, Saginaw Heritage alum, as well as former Motor City hit dog. Spencer, welcome to the show, man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys
1: absolutely um, I guess uh, I guess the first question is this is a Michigan based podcast so let's take you back to your Michigan
2: roots I know you're not originally from the state is that right uh, I'm from Michigan but my parents are from Wisconsin so I just I grew up a big Wisconsin fan and so I just never really enjoyed uh, the Michigan sports teams honestly
1: <laughs> sure sure that's fair okay uh, that's that's the context I needed. Um, yeah. So, so I guess the, my, my question then is, did that play a role you think in what brought you to Nebraska?
2: Yeah, that definitely played a role. Um, I mean, obviously Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball team, but, uh, when Michigan and Michigan state were recruiting me early in high school, I definitely was interested. Um, but when I went on my visit to Nebraska and Matt coach Erstead and the other coaching staff, it just, it kind of was a no-brainer,
1: honestly. Sure. it just kind of a, an automatic, natural type of deal. I get it.
0: Yeah. So for you, growing up uh, in Michigan, parents from Wisconsin, everyone around you is probably battling over go green, go blue. Uh, <laughs> for you, you grew up, I think, in the Russell Wilson era, right? I mean, I, I would assume, Yeah. Like back when Wisconsin, yep. okay, well, uh, this is totally off topic, but I'm very interested in this cause I've never heard this perspective. Um, what was it like when they lost on that Hail Mary to Michigan state? I'm not a Michigan state fan. I just remember that game. And I think it's kind of funny that get, I've never had a Wisconsin fans perspective on it or not that you are a fan now, but then,
2: um, honestly, that was just Michigan state's luck. Honestly, no <laughs> I agree. <laughs> they were always uh, one of the luckiest teams and, That was just right in their alley of doing something like that. But obviously I was super upset. I remember (laughs) screaming at the TV, my parents yelling at me. (laughs) But yeah, it was definitely a tough one.
0: (laughs) So playing for the Motor City Hit Dogs, we mentioned that already. Uh, Talk about growing up in Michigan's uh, travel baseball scene and kind of like what you learned at that early age and then how it helped you, not only in uh, your high school years, but uh, how it attributed to your college years as well.
2: Yeah, so when I was 11 years old, uh, I was playing on just a local team from Saginaw. My dad was the coach. And we were in the super n i t and we were, our team was 0 two, and we were playing motor city hit dogs, and my dad was like, "Okay, I've never won a game coaching my all all of your all of your siblings, so I want you to pitch this game, <laughs> see if we can upset Motor City, which was probably top five team in the nation at the time and I remember going out there and pitching, and it was zero zero going into about the fifth inning. And my dad took me out of the game, just, you know, wanted me to not throw too many pitches. And then we ended up losing like 9-0 or something. And the coach, Scott Leonard, after the game came up to my dad and he was like, hey, we really need this guy on our team next year. Uh, We're a top five program in the nation and we compete for national titles every year. Uh, We definitely want him on our team. He doesn't even have to try out. Um, I'll give you my number and... Hopefully we can, you know, get things situated or whatever. So that following year, I ended up playing on Motor City uh, for Scott Leonard. And then after that, after that year, Coach Petrie, Matt Petrie took over and pretty much just learned so much from him and the guys that I was playing with, you know, just incredible talent all the way up and down the lineup. And that just, that made me so much better as a player and a person, just getting, getting to know new people, getting to play with uh you know new personnel and whatever so um it was definitely unbelievable i'd never seen baseball like that in my life i'd always played local tournaments and you know the competition that we played against in florida georgia you know tennessee it was you know it was great and i think that personally made me the player i am today uh, and growing up in high school and continuing to play with them i think i played with them for about six years um but you know, the recruiting process, it was so much easier with them because, you know, you were playing against really quality opponents, you were playing in high quality tournaments, and that led to college coaches being there, putting you on the spotlight. And you know, that's how Nebraska first saw me and I'm super super thankful for Motor City and what they've done for me.
1: Spencer, I can I can distinctly recall one of those uh summer ball highlights it was. I, it would have been like right before you committed to Nebraska. I think um, WWBA in Georgia. You pitched. I th- it might have been like the first round of playoffs. Again, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on those details, but I do recall you shoving. Like we were at Lake Point, you know, one of the one of the new quad fields, and you dominated. And like on my way to the scout tower to go cool off because it was nine thousand degrees. I think I got stopped by s- like seventeen different college coaches. Who we're like, Sack, who's that guy? That's a Michigan guy. Like, uh, uh, tell them we're interested. <laughs> And, and so I was yeah. like texting. I was like texting Petrie, like, "Hey, man, like, so and so asked. Hey, so and so asked." And he's like, "Tell him all to back off. He's probably going to Nebraska." And then it was like three days later or whatever. You committed to Nebraska, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Just a just a funny memory as far as like what you talked on, like how the Hit Dogs and then other organizations like it can provide that exposure and, and and can get you in front of the right people. And just a just a cool memory in that sense.
2: Yeah, that was definitely crazy i remember calling over 20 coaches in one night and after that game and that was just unreal i i looked at my mom after about the 10th call and i'm like i'm going to nebraska i'm taking this i I can't do it anymore
1: (laughs) um well, shoot, man! Like, all right, let's uh, let's jump a little bit more to the present. Um, we just talked about you as a pitcher, a- a- as a prep, um, and a talented pitcher you obviously were, but you were ne- cr- uh, recruited to Nebraska to play shortstop, like primarily. That was the whole deal. Like, we want you to be our shortstop, and the pitching can maybe come later. And now the pitching has come. So, can you kind of take us through the uh, the approach that Nebraska had with you as far as like? you know, keeping pitching on the back burner and now it's, it's out front as far as a focus and you're closing and you're throwing really hard, but like what went into that? What were the, the conversations like as far as deciding that?
2: Yeah. So my freshman year, um, I, I came in as a two way and was planning on pitching a little bit, trying to be the closer. Uh, but just, I had like a little arm injury that happened my senior year of high school that kind of, Put me back, so I wasn't throwing both ends in the fall. And then the coaching staff was like, dude, like we want you to play third base to start the year, hopefully get you to shortstop uh, a couple weeks in, and we don't want you to get hurt or not be able to play every day for us, so we're just going to have you play in the infield. And I was, I was fine with that. Like I I wanted I just wanted to play every day. So um, And after my freshman year, I ended up getting a little surgery done on my arm, Uh, just a cleanup and like a put an internal collagen brace around the ligament and kind of just to get me ready to go back to pitching again. And then right after I got that surgery, we got a new coaching staff. And so that was my before my sophomore year. And that coaching staff really didn't have any plans of me getting on the mound uh, just because I, you know, I was trying to rehab just to get back to throwing again. So Uh, Went went the whole year, didn't pitch, and then obviously COVID shut the season down. And in the summer, when I was playing summer ball, Coach Bolt called me and asked if I had any wants or intentions of pitching my junior year. And honestly, I told him, I was like, I don't know if I'd ever thought I was going to pitch again, but yeah, that sounds great. Like if I can get ready, I would love to and got there in the fall through a couple bullpens and then threw in a scrimmage and was just lights out like felt like i was in high school again like didn't skip a beat throwing strikes command of all three pitches and i mean it was just from there the coaching staff was like yeah we want you to pitch and want you to be our closer so like if that's what you want to do then we definitely want that
0: And not to mention, uh, you've gone about this whole two-way thing, uh, albeit a new one, quite well. Uh, For those at home who haven't caught a Nebraska game this year, you're hitting 3.33. you you've got six doubles, you've pitched four innings, three saves, five Ks, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, and as a fielder, if you've got no errors with 16 putouts and 32 assists and your team is on what looks like a six game winning streak. So it uh, yeah. seems like it's worked. Seems like this whole experiment is going as planned. Um, but uh, knowing knowing the mentality there of an athlete at your level, you're certainly probably not a- at all. Complacent yet, you're probably very, very much so still hungry for more. So I'm not going to sit here and glow on your numbers just yet. But just talk about the feeling you're having right now of, uh, hey, this this is working, and who knows what this could turn to, not just at Nebraska but at the next level as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I started to get ready to pitch, it was kind of just as like a this is best for the team, uh, this could potentially be best for me because it was so it was kind of a win-win deal and. Now that, you know, I'm I'm healthy and able to pitch once, maybe twice a weekend, it gives our team a really good chance to to win, win a game, win a series, sweep a series, and just just to be able to be out there and help my team win. I mean, obviously, our our closer, my freshman year, uh, Colby Gomez, got injured this year, so I had to step up and take over that role. So it just it kind of was a win win deal, like I said. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely super exciting to to know that this plan is is definitely working well and that we are able to win games doing it and hopefully there's many more wins uh here later in the season. What
1: are you uh focusing on kind of personally as the season goes on? Like what is there an area that you're trying to improve kind of as you go, both either hitting or pitching?
2: Um I mean pitching I'm trying to build up some stamina just to be able to throw more innings because right now i've only gone you know one maybe two innings max in a game but like i'm not throwing any bullpens midweek just because i got a bunch of throwing with you know the infield stuff and practice Mm -hmm. so i don't really need to to do that but on the hitting side honestly for me it's more mental i've been meeting with like a sports psychologist just to kind of forget about the results and just worry about what I'm trying to do at the plate and just, just take a really good swing and whatever happens happens, control what I can control. And that that's just about the biggest thing for me at the plate, honestly, not really focused too much on mechanics, but when I do get in a little funk, it, it just happens that I'm getting out of my backside, kind of coming up out of my swing and getting on top of the baseball. Um, but yeah, like I said, just more mental side, honestly, right now. And can you talk to that mental side a little bit more? I, I don't think that, uh, you know, like
1: obviously it's not, it hasn't been that long since you were a high school baseball player in the state of Michigan. That's not something that, like, a lot of our guys really have access to insofar as players yeah. in the state. Like, what is what are kind of the, you know, you don't have to get super in-depth and personal, but, like, what, what do you see as, like, the benefits of that? Like, what are you enjoying about that process?
2: Yeah, um, like in high school, obviously there's no one that, understands what you're going through, being a draft prospect, um, being a division one commit, like they think everything is is super glorious and easy, uh, but people definitely go through their problems and there's really no one to talk to. And I'm lucky enough to have a sports psychologist offered to me at Nebraska that I can go to whenever you know schedule a meeting every week or whatever. but like just being able to just to talk to someone about what's going on, whether it's on the field, off the field issues and just learning to be able to leave your school bag in the clubhouse before you go out on the field and play. Like that's the biggest thing, like leave your emotions in the clubhouse, go out there and play and compete and whatever happens happens and just be happy that you're out there playing. And like something that I was working on was, you know, obviously I I care a lot about the game, but if you can try to care less about the results, then you're going to be more successful. Like we have a, a kid on our team, Max Anderson, freshman, and I've never seen somebody care less about the results than him. And, you know, he's hitting 320 or whatever as a freshman. And that's really hard to do. And, I that's just what I've kind of been preaching to him about. Like, he doesn't need a guy to talk to. Like, it just comes natural to him. But most people, it's not like that. So I I it's super beneficial to me to be able to talk to someone and, you know, just to be able to just forget about the results and just focus on taking a good swing, you know, have a plan in the on deck circle or when you're in the hole, just, just being able to know what you want to do at the plate.
0: And you talk about what you can. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you talk about the, uh, just the importance of mental health in general. Um, and you said not just on the field, but off the field as well. And uh, I like that you said that just because I think that there's a lot of kids who listen to the show that are probably in high school right now, or uh, maybe some parents who might not know as much about it. But the um, if you could prioritize mental health, whether you're a, a kid that's in high school right now, or a parent that has a high school kid playing right now, who is a prospect of, of any sort, whether that's a D3 or a D1, whatever it is, if you can really prioritize that at a young age and kind of instill that mindset um, and carry it not only into college baseball, but, man, into life. Like It will do a ton of good for you. Um, And I think that you said it it really well by saying uh, to to care less about the results and I think to care more about the process because there's a, a saying that I've heard a lot of times out of a coach I know really well, Eddie DeWalt, who has always said that, he said it very simply let the game figure itself out right just let the game figure itself out you can't control the game you can control what you do in the game but let the game figure itself out and and it'll all kind of it'll all figure itself out and it's always been something that i've kind of put into my head because um you know, as players, you guys certainly, certainly have mental battles, 100%. The same can be said from a coaching standpoint, man, like you do it for as long as some of these guys have done it and you're on the biggest stage in such a close game, like your anxiety is absolutely just rising in in, in ways that you've never even like felt before. So to be able to like, from a player standpoint, to be able to breathe before you get into the box and kind of exist in that moment, rather than hearing the noise of the crowd or the noise of the other dugout or, um, just anything really, uh, being able to prioritize those things is so important to to the, the game and then also we talk about how important translating the game to life is and i think that's a big component of it so um i really like what you had to say there spencer thanks for joining
1: us man this was a fantastic segment we appreciate you coming on
2: yeah thanks for having me on
1: guys absolutely and uh, with that we'll uh, we'll kick it back over to uh, to brandon and
0: brian to close out the show thanks for listening Before I send you guys home, I gotta talk to you one more time about Great Lakes Bat Company. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're doing when it comes to the materials, the bats, the uniforms, the batting gloves, the custom bats, whatever it is. But really what they know is how to communicate. They know customer service. They know realistic turnaround times. They don't lie to you folks. They get it to you when they get it to you and they know when that's going to be and they are very transparent about the process. But more times than not, you get your products even before that and it's awesome. I highly recommend Great Lakes Bat Company. Find them online at greatlakesbatco.com and that is that for episode 15 of cold weather bats uh for everyone at home just a few housekeeping items uh please buy a hat you can buy a hat at greatlakesbatco.com and they are Really good quality, um, based on what I've heard. They're supposed to be shipped out this week. Uh, can't wait for the testimonials from those who purchased one. I'm sure that'll catapult all of you listening to go buy yours. Um, and apart from that, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Weather Bats. Great episode this week, Spencer Schwallenbach. one of the Schwallenbach, Schwallenbach. Either way, one of the better interviews we've had. I think. Um, really, a kid who uh, knows and has a lot of. Um, intelligence about the game and can uh can do really well in an interview setting uh we see i've seen his press conferences we watched one before the show started i did um and kind of knew this was going to be pretty good uh this was brian's get for the guest so he gets the credit for for spencer being on the show but i will give spencer credit for being a wonderful wonderful guest there i really like what we had to say about the um the mental side of things and then uh you got to hear a little bit about my sports card addiction so i thought overall pretty good that pretty good episode yeah no doubt
1: I mean, just kind of a chill, looser-vibed episode that I'm down with. We just kind of chatted and had a good time with it. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to everybody do, getting a little bit more play uh, as far as uh, games go in, in the state. And um, We haven't even touched on college teams in the state. Next episode, we're going to do a, a little bit of a dive as far as what, what the college programs in the state are up to. Um, but with that being said, for Brandon, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you next week, Michigan.